Hello, and welcome to Alert. I'm your host, Christian Holmes, and in episode 3 of season 1, we are talking to one of the best thoroughbred trainers in North America, that being Mark Cassie. Recently, his horse, Helium, just won the Tampa Bay Derby, and will be heading straight to Churchill Downs for the first Saturday of May. That, of course, is to compete in the Kentucky Derby. Um, within this interview, we talked about a lot of things. We talked about what uh, Mark Cassie's plans are with some of his superstar horses, um, what his uh, upbringing was like in the sport, and finally, we talked about the state of the sport, sport moving forward. Like, his opinions on, you know, how the, they're handling drug testing and horse racing and so much more. So please join me as I uh, talk to Mark Cassie. Um, uh, within this 40-minute uh, interview, roughly, I learned a lot. And I think you will, too. So... Without further ado, let's get to the interview. Uh, first off, congratulations on uh, Helion's win in the uh, Tampa Day Derby. Uh, I can imagine. Oh, thank you. No problem. Thank you. Um, what are your plans with him right now? I was reading in the DRF that you wanted to take him straight to the Kentucky Derby. Yeah, we're gonna run. We're gonna go straight to the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> okay. Um. Uh, I know that a lot of uh, people were wondering, uh, will he still, uh, depending on his performance in the Derby, will you guys consider putting him in a clean slate? Well, he's not a Canadian bred. Oh, okay, okay. I so, he has to be Canadian bred. He's not a Canadian bred. The oh. Canadian bred that I have that's good is Gretzky the Great. Which Gretzky the Great still possible to be a Derby prospect, but he still will aim for the Queen's Plate. But yeah, Helium is not a Canadian. Okay, okay. I wish he was. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no kidding. Um, uh, speaking of Gretzky the Great, I know he was just in the stakes race at uh, um, at Turkway Park. Uh, how's he doing right now? He's doing well. I, you know. Um, so he had a, a, a injury after the Breeders' Cup. He hurt his eye, plus he had an ankle injury. And he ended up missing a fair amount of time. So I was rushing. I, I kind of had a rushing back to make that race. And um, I think that his that race will really set his next race. It should, he should really move forward. Okay. And um, are you... Uh, by the sounds of it, the plans was to put him in the Jeff Ruby and see what happens yeah. after that. Yeah. Um, uh, what, what type right. of performance do you want to see from him in the Jeff Ruby? Uh, do you just want to see him get a good run? Or are you uh, kind of... Uh, I, mean, I, I, I mean, I need him as long as he has a good trip. Um, you know, obviously anything could happen in a race. So if, if something were to happen and he bothered or something, then... I maybe would give him the excuse, but if he has a good, clean trip, he needs to win the Jeff Ruby to have any considered Kentucky Derby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Um, uh, now, uh, you have a bunch of uh, fillies uh, 
uh, uh, Oaks nominated. Um, how's uh, a horse like Curlin's Catch doing right now? Uh, is she looking good at, when she's training? Yeah, she's doing well. Her last race was kind of an easy race. Uh, the top three contenders, none of them ran well, and I, I don't, I, I don't really know from that. So we're just going to throw it out. Um, our plans with her are to run her in the Gazelle, which is in New York. Mm-hmm. And then a good performance there, you know, possibly the Kentucky Oaks, mm-hmm. and then we'll we'll worry about the Canadian Oaks after that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, super sensational. Uh, I remember there was a lot of hype for that horse. Um, she uh, looked all right in the uh, fairgrounds. Uh, right now, uh, what are you thinking about uh, doing with her going forward uh, when it comes to the yeah, prep? She's running in. She runs in the Fairgrounds Oaks, uh, not this weekend, but I think the following weekend. So uh, she's been very unlucky. She, she, her first start in New Orleans, she ran into some trouble. But, you know, she, I was happy with her because it was her first time around two turns, and she did things well. Uh, her last race was disastrous in that she had a lot of trouble, and she actually clipped hills and nearly fell. So uh, we, we felt fortunate after race just to have her safe and sound. She's trained well, but you know what? She's got to step up her game. This is a big test coming up in the in uh, in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, um, you're a, a, a well-known horseman, and people know you uh, really well in that regard. But um, can you? Tell us about the Mark Cassie that people might not see, like the like Mark Cassie the person. Like, what makes you you? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I don't. I would hope, and I, I would think some of my, uh, you know, a, accomplishments that you know maybe don't, you know, are not. The racing would be that um, we have, I want to say, ten about ten people that have been with me for twenty twenty five years or longer, which I am very proud of. So we have the same team we've had, you know, and I, I, I I'm I'm proud of that. Um, I would hope that most people would say that you know that. I, I treat people fairly, and um, and so that's important to me. You know, that comes from my dad and my mom. You know, growing up, they were very fair people and always tried to help people, and and I, and that's me. Um, as far as what do I do when I'm not racing, I like to fish. So um, I have uh, two ponds in my front yard. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do bass fishing. Um, I like to, I play chess. I play it online. Mm-hmm. Um, I play about thirty games at a time. And um, so when you play online, you have to and the the site that I play, you have to make at least one move every five days. So mm-hmm. it's not it's something that I can do. I may do, you know, before I go to bed, I probably i will make four or five moves on different games. And then when I wake up in the morning, I do. And 
And, you know, it's just something that I enjoy because it keeps my mind, you know, I'm still, I'm strategizing. I love to strategize even with, you know, my racehorses or where, how do I get to where and what do I do? So I am a strategizer, which that's what you have to do in chess. Mm-hmm. And then I set my 17-year-old Colby is a, a pretty, or 18, he just turned 18, is a pretty good baseball player. And so with my wife and I, Tina, love to go watch him play. And um, he's pretty good. He's going to probably, he's in high school right now, but probably will end up playing, playing in the college as well. So, yeah, those are the, those are the things that I like outside of the, Mm, that's really cool that your uh, kids uh, playing uh, could be playing college baseball. Um, um, yeah, I think a lot of people love chess too. So yeah, those are cool things. Um, what's yeah, I um, I actually Colby um, for about eight years um, through little league stuff. So uh, I often tell everybody when he pitches, I get more nervous when he pitches than than when I run one in the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> wow, that's saying something. Yeah, I get it. It's pretty. I get it. I, my, his mother and I, Tina and I, we get pretty shook up. Nobody talks to me because I'm focused watching the game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I can definitely understand that. You know, you, you want the best, and, you know, you're hanging on the edge of everything. For your kids, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's one of the biggest lessons that you have taken from your uh, career as a trainer uh, so far? Well, uh, one thing that I'm proud of that is that you can do things the right way and still, you know, you don't have to cheat to win. Um, we are, our sport, and, and there's not just our sport, there's so many bad apples in every sport, whether it's you know, you think back about cycling with Lance Armstrong. You think about baseball with, um, you know, the steroid use and everything. And and I recently, um, you know, I recently was voted in. I've been in the Canadian Hall of Fame, but I was recently voted to into the National Hall of Fame. You know, in the U.S. And, and Colby and I were talking, and I said, "Shows you um, that you can you can do things and do the the right way and still achieve your goals." And to me, that's the most important part of it all. Mm-hmm. One hundred percent. Have you had like a uh, mentor throughout your career that has taught you, um, you know, everything you know, or? Obviously, you know, without my dad, I would never have been into horse racing. Um, you know, and then there's, you know, there's trainers along the way, too, that I've uh, idolized, uh, I would say, Bill Mott is a guy, um, and, and um, you know, I, I, I do I, I do think a lot of Bob Backard as well. You know, Bob and I are friends, and um, so... But yeah, those, and then through the years, you know, different people. I, I, I'm very lucky in that um, in our business, we we can we are surrounded by 
some of the most successful people in the world because that's you know it and and um so I've got to, you know, the Gary Barbers, the, you know, he was the CEO of MGM Entertainment, um, Charlotte Weber, uh, Campbell Soup, um, you know, one right after another, uh, uh, the, uh, I mean, Len Green, uh, the, the Green Group who owns Helium, I mean, just wonder, wonderful people and have accomplished great things in their lives. And it's, you know, it, it's always nice to be around those. Um, the guy that probably taught me as much as anybody was a guy named Harry, Harry Mangurian, and he owned the Boston Celtics. Um, he passed away about 15 years ago, and, and um, but I was able to spend about 10 years with him. He was an amazing man, and I learned a lot of things from him. I think you know what. Honestly, you are, you can learn things from some of the craziest places. I mean, I learned things from hot walkers and grooms. You know, um, I think you always have to be willing to uh, you always have to be willing to listen and and take what you hear and and, and decipher it and decide. Is there is there any truth to it, and can you can you use that, and you know, in a good way, in a way to make yourself better? Um, I say it. It came. It, it originally. I heard it from Lee Iacocca, who was, I think he was the head of Chrysler. Said, "If you stand still, you get run over." I'm always trying to be better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. It's, um, you know, we win a big race. We win a big race. Um, I enjoy it, but I'm always already looking at what's next, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is definitely the, a great way to look at it. Um, I, I was reading in the Blood Horse about uh, your uh, training facility. Um, I was kind of curious to uh, uh, ask... What was the idea about uh, creating uh, uh, your own training facility? Uh, what was the inspiration for it? Well, um, a lot of it was that, you know, we would come, you know, with no racing in, in Toronto during the wintertime, I would come home because Ocala's been home for me for 65 years. And it became very difficult finding, you know, I was always trying to figure out a place to put the horses. And so it started out very small, and it's just grown and grown and grown. And, and you know, now we have a pretty significant uh, training center. And it's kind of my hub. It's it's where we get everybody ready, and, and I get to spend a lot of time, you know, uh, so the way our way way we work would be, you know, we may be racing in four or five different jurisdictions, and um, if a horse is say in New Orleans, and that's where Helium was in New Orleans uh, in January, and he had a little issue with his ankle, and so David Carroll, who runs our fairground operation, I said just send him on home, and this is what I do a lot of times. So he came home to us. Um, we have we have a, a 
a really good rehab center. We have a cold water spa. We're able to swim them. And um, so I got to spend a little time with him. And after a few days, I came to the conclusion that his ankle wasn't an issue and that he was fine. And so we started training him again. And I was able to watch him, you know, it's the one I'm, this is where I'm at a lot. Um, I usually during the week will be in, in Ocala at our training center. And then normally on weekends I go to, you know, depending where we have big races. That's how I do it. Okay. Um, yeah. And, um, uh, speaking of, uh, your traveling, um, uh, when you, uh, travel to a race, um, and you go to a race, um, just, do you, uh, do much, like, at the training once you get there, or do you talk to the no, person that's... Really, right? by that point in time, it's more just being there, and there's, there's not a whole lot to do. It's, it's, it's really just being there for support. Yeah, the, the real work is already done by that point in time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um... You were talking about, um, you know, uh, how every sport has its uh, bad apples and whatnot. Over the past years, there have been some, you know, doping scandals uh, within horse racing that created a negative image on the sport. Um, how, uh, how does horse racing go about trying to, you know, rid itself of that negative image? that comes from maybe the indictment of Jason Service and Jorge Navarro? Right. Good question. You know, to me, to me, that just shows um, that they're out there working and, and trying, you know, look, it doesn't matter whether you're, 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 there are people that will cheat when there's no money on the line. <laughs> so you're always, it, it's, it, it's life. It's the way things work. There's always going to be somebody trying to take an edge. And um, by the way, uh, you know, I raced in a lot of jurisdictions, and I, I would say, I, I tell everybody that, you know, everybody's doing this, and they're, maybe they should look where the most successful place there is. And, and the least amount of, in my opinion, the least amount of cheating. And you know where that is? Where? The woodbine. Mm. Yeah. We had a little, we had an issue for a couple of years, and it wasn't so much that they were cheating. They were just using their rules. They were using some, they were using a drug, and they were using it in not, it was supposed to be. It wasn't illegal to have it. It was just, and that it was called Combuterol, and they were using it, and they weren't using it the way it was supposed to be used. So, in my opinion, it means when you use something, even if it's illegal, but you're using it in a way that you're not supposed to, and you're then it is considered cheating. And last year they ruled, and we saw a. a, a, a major difference in the way some some of the trainers horses performed mm -hmm. um in the united states they just recently uh in uh, uh the, yeah the uh the, the, pass, the uh, horse racing was a big 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, what are your thoughts on that uh, horse racing uh, safety and integrity bill? Um, I think it's, in, it's extremely important. Again, Woodbine does a great job, or not Woodbine, but Ontario does a great job of monitoring. You know, I think they do a wonderful job of, of, uh, of keeping uh, control in, in, in Ontario. Um, not so much in many states, and it's just like some states, it's the Wild West, anything goes. And now with this new, uh, you know, the Integrity Act, we're going to have one body that can over and, and have some teeth. You know, what, what, what we're dealing with is when, when, you're, when you're cheating at horse racing, people are bet that's fraud when you're cheating. And you know what? They need to put a few people in jail because it's not right. And it doesn't seem that there's enough, uh, uh, I don't know how to say this, there's just not enough accountability in many states and to change. Mm-hmm. Again, I will tell, I, and and what I'm telling you, I will tell to anybody. You know, I uh, I'm very impresses me. For the most part, um, I think they they should be example of the way to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think like you, there's a lot of talk that you know it's going to be enforced, but do you think that there's going to be more accountability now that this bill is in place? Because the, there are a lot of laws that get put into place uh, just in general, and they say they're going to uh, bring on accountability, but it's not always the case. Do you think that's going to happen, or is it just a wait-and-see thing? Well, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed and say... I think you will. Okay. I mean, there's been a lot of big people and a lot of good people work very hard for this, and I just don't see, you know, I just can't see it not really, you know, being used and used well. So, yeah, but I'm an optimist. Hey, if you're a horse trainer, you got to be an optimist. Mm-hmm. So I'm an optimist, and I, I do think you'll see big changes and big changes. Mm-hmm. Speaking of changes, um, now that the uh, Horse Racing uh, Safety and Integrity Act is in place, what would you like to see uh, the uh, federal regulators do? Something that that they can implement? Um, I just I, I I think that we go about it all wrong. I, I we everybody is trying to. Everybody's trying to um, do it through drug testing. And I think really the best way to do it is more surveillance and, and anal- analyzing. And so I would hope that they would have a task team that would sit and analyze day-to-day racing. And if something look, doesn't look right, investigate it closer it doesn't take uh, rocket science to figure out if if 
something doesn't look right, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, uh, you know, you talk about Navarro and you talk about service. We all knew there was a problem. It, it didn't, it, it, we knew there was a problem and it should have, um, um, you know, it's just, we don't have a task force to do those things when you do see a problem. And um, hopefully this is what will, this will change. Mm-hmm. So you're saying that people within the horse racing community knew there was a problem with uh, like people like service. And well, the we know, we, you know, look, when you've been doing it as long as a guy like myself has been doing and others, we can, we can look at horses' performances and say, where did this come from? And it's one thing if you see a guy, you know, the, the thing about training horses and racehorses is there's not enough variables to make big changes. There's only so much you can do. Or, you know, you can maybe train your horse a little different one way than somebody else. But, but you know, it's the horse's ability is what makes him what he is. Well, when you see a horse and he's been the same horse for two or three years, and all at once he goes to a new trainer and becomes a great horse. And when you see that happen time after time after time, there's a problem. Mm -hmm. And so that person should be investigated further. And and that's how they caught service, and that's how they caught uh, Navarro. They caught him by surveillance and by phone tapping. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, I, I read, and I can't think of the name of the guy, but he's the guy that caught Lance Armstrong, and he, um, I, I read an article, you know, and, and you know, sometimes it just you just need to ask the question. If all at once somebody starts winning, you know, when you have a guy who's been training, training and he's been winning at 10%, for his career, and all once he starts winning 25%, you need to go ask the question and say, hey, what is it you've changed? What are you doing that makes these horses so much better? And if they can't really give you a good answer, I think you have to investigate it that closer. It, like I said, it's not, this isn't rocket science, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and that's, I, I read an article, and, and that's kind of what he said, and, and I agree with him. So I'm hoping that's what the task force brings. Um, right now, the, they caught, they have, uh, it's called, I think, Five Stones, it's called. Uh, they're the task force or the investigators for the jockey club who then reported the, what the, their findings to the FBI. So we already have, we've got some, some, uh, we have an organization out there that's doing that. Uh, I think you're going to see more. You're going to see more. Uh, you're going to see more. Uh, uh, you know, arrest. I think in the future as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and that's a good thing too. And the sports being regulated to the point where you know. Because, like, I've heard handicappers talk about, you know, how, where this performance come from um, and stuff like that. So, like, it is something where, yeah, common sense kind of does prevail, like you were saying. 
Um, I've also been reading a lot about the Lasex uh, uh, debate within horse racing. Mm -hmm. Like, right. what, what is your opinion on Lasex in, uh, in general and race day usage? Um, because it seems I, like opinion varies. Yeah, I like Lasix. Um, I think, uh, it, you know, we have a problem, our horses. It's the way they're made up, and it's the way they, they're naturally will bleed, a lot of them. This, this is a drug that is, there's a lot of different ways of trying to remedy bleeding. Lasix is the, is the most humane way to do it. Um, it's fair for everybody and it's not really, there's a lot written, a lot said about how hard it is on them. It really isn't. Um, so uh, my concern is with the Lasix, uh, the alternatives, what people will do to, you know, to stop, how to stop horses for bleeding. So I am a big, uh, believer in Lasix. If we don't have Lasix, then, you know, we will survive. But I think for the better of the horse, we should have Lasix. Mm -hmm. um, uh, from your perspective as a trainer, um, uh, what's your current view of the horse racing industry in terms of its long-term uh, future? Like you were talking about how you like the horse racing is safety and integrity act. What are your views of the long-term future? Um, you know, I, I think it's strong right now. I think they're doing well. You know, things have changed so much in, in the last 50 years. Um, you know, we have lotteries, we have all the TV. Now we have uh, pro betting and, so it used to be that horse racing was, you know, didn't have all the competition. We didn't have all the casinos and stuff. So they've had to battle that. Um, and, and I think they've done a good job, but they're going to, again, no different than what I just said. They can't stand still or they'll get run over. So they always have to keep coming up with new ideas to be better. And, uh, again, I'm going to say this. Um, about Jim Law and his wood buying. I, I think they are one of the leaders in doing those kind of things. They're always trying, you know, to do do new things, and, and I appreciate I'm very proud of wood buying and, and my association with them because um, I, I just think they do such a super job. Mm -hmm. Um. Would you say that Woodbine is probably one of the best tracks in North America for all those reasons? Or is there another track that you really like to race at to well, do business? You know, with? it depends on it depends on on how you you know, how you want how you want to rate it. Um, personally I think that Tapita, which is our the records show, it's probably it's one of maybe the safest in North America. So the track itself is is tremendous. It's it's a safe track. Our turf course is um, our turf course is probably the best in North America. Uh, and I I think for the most part, our training facility is probably one of the best in 
training facility in Franklin. Um, I mean, we have a dirt training track, we have a turf training track, and we have the synthetic race track, and then of course we have the EP Taylor turf course, which is second to none. So it's a great place to train. I use I use woodbine. I've I've you know had two classic winners of the pre and the Belmont winner both kind of got their careers going at Woodbine. Um, you know, uh, we we just missed winning the the Florida Key Oaks with Hotch uh, started her career there. Now we have you know one of the the favorites for the Kentucky Derby or one of in the Kentucky Derby where he's going to be the favorite. But he's going to you know he's got a good chance and and look he started. He started his career at Woodbine, and it's just, it's a wonderful place to train your horse. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, we are speaking about all the things tracks are good at. Um, what can tracks do better, like just in general, to maybe uh, improve the product for the trainers? Um I did the, uh, there was a conference uh, last year that they raised that question, should the uh, North American horse racing get rid of the claiming system and do like a rating system like you might see in Europe? You've done a lot of research. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's... And I would, I would be for that. Yeah, I think that would be a wonderful idea because what happens is um, and it's gotten more and more. Uh, horses are more and more expensive, and um, I think that if we could have more categories, then you know horses could win and run in races and not be claimed. Um, this is my last question. What okay. is your biggest hope for the sport going forward? You know, continue to to uh, uh, strive. 
know, frog even. And, um, uh, and it, in, in, you know, and increase the intake, increase the intake and, and get rid of the bad apples. That is my number one. You know, I, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be doing it. I've been doing it for 40 years. You know, hopefully, if I'm lucky, maybe another 10. Um, I hope at that time we have come up with systems to to make it a more level playing field for all and and, and get, a, get rid of as many bad apples as we can. That would be my hope. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? I think that's a lot of hope, that, what I've been hearing at least uh, from my contacts. Um, and, you know, uh, hopefully the industry can do that uh, moving forward. And it seems like they're starting to get on the right track. It's just a matter of, like you said, just, you know, keep going, and, uh, you know, going forward and just surveillance, making good on their promises, in other words. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark, I... You know, and I commend you on your, uh, you know, I do a lot of interviews and and a lot of times the questions and things that are brought to me, I'm I'm like, really? You know, but you did your research and you did did your job. Well, thank you so much. I I really do appreciate that. And when you're taking the time out of your day, I don't want to waste your time, right? Like, I don't want to ask you the same thing. Yeah, well, and I, you know, and I have... I appreciate that happens when, you know, like, yeah, you know, you call and you ask me dumb questions that that obviously you really don't care. You're just trying to do something. But I can see the difference, and I appreciate it. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I thank you so much, and I thank you so much for your time. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, everything goes smoothly for you going forward. All right. Well, good luck, and you have a great day. Okay. You, you as well. Take it easy. Bye. Bye-bye. So that concludes our t- interview with Mark Cassie. First off, thank you very much to uh, Mark Cassie for joining the podcast. It was a very fun conversation. And hopefully we can talk to him again, uh, maybe about a uh, possible Kentucky Derby winner in Helium. So let's keep our fingers crossed. Um, once again, thank you for listening to the show. Um, um, I really got a shout out um, my sponsor, um, we kind of work together, we're like a partnership right now, they're called Crumb the Inside Studios, um, you can find them on Instagram, on Twitter, basically they're a collective collab, so basically the founder of, uh, Crumb the Inside Studios, Matt Ryder, Basically wants to help you grow your uh, social media following, your podcast, um, grow whatever you got going for you. If you're an artist uh, and you make music, he wants to get you some exposure. If you, uh, if you're an artist that likes to paint on a canvas, he wants to get you some business. You know what I mean? Get some people willing to pay for your art. He wants to help you out. He wants to expand your bases, broaden your horizons. And really, he has helped me out a lot with this podcast. A word is very in depth. 
two from the Inside Studios and Matt Ryder. Right now, um, you know, he's willing to help you out with anything. If you have questions, don't be afraid to reach out. He's always there for you, and he's very good with this stuff. Um, you know, he's helped me out with my artwork. Um, as I said in episode two, we're working on a theme song for this. Um, it's coming along nicely, and we're in the uh, final stages. So, yeah, we're pretty happy, man. And uh, these guys are really good at what they do. And trust me, um, even if uh, I wasn't, uh, you know, a consumer and I was looking at it from a third-person perspective, the reviews are great. Just talk to the people. Look at how he's helping everybody out. Um, and be sure to check out his newsletter because um, maybe you can find some collaborators there. Like, you know, if you're a streamer and you're looking to stream with somebody or something like that. Or, um, you know, there's plenty of people there that are just looking to make connections. So do yourself a favor and follow um, from the Inside Studios um, on Instagram, on Twitter. Um, be sure to check out their Discord server. Um, it'll be in the link in their Instagram and Twitter bios. There's a lot of cool things going on, so be sure to check them out, man. Um, definitely worth your time, especially if you are any type of content creator. Once again, thank you for taking the time to uh, listen to a word. Uh, uh, you know, it's a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, I need Jesus. It's been a long day. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you that, you know. Um, like I said, this is their bones, no BS, you know, and I'm always sitting here trying to record these things and read my script, but it never seems to work out. I don't know why sometimes I'm just, you know what I mean? I'm not like a smooth talker like, uh, Matt Bernier is, uh, our previous guest. I'm more of just like a, uh... You know, I, I tend to talk over myself a lot. Anyhow, getting back to the point, um, I, I really do thank you uh, for listening to this podcast. It means a lot. Um, if you like it, um, then, you know, you think other people should listen to it, do yourself a favor or do me a favor, I guess, not yourself. And share it around, you know. Uh, I've been doing well with these uh, first couple of episodes. I've been getting much love, and I cannot uh, be happier enough for that. These, these, uh, the viewership and the listenership for these episodes have been um, beyond my expectations. So I say thank you to my guests. I say thank you to my listeners, my sponsors, and you know, like this isn't uh, this is uh, impossible without you guys. So. Once again, thank you for listening and uh, happy trails until we meet again.